Right, are we ready? Shall we start with the, t- with the time that remains? Island. No, it's good. I like stuff like that. A, what a nice image of how the kingdom of God works. Mick with news from home. Keith with news from Mongolia. It's all our family. All good to know. Please don't ever feel bad about having news to share at the front. It always encourages us. It's always a good thing to do. I'm going to talk a bit out of Colossians 3 this morning. But um, I'm going to start with a a question. There's a a very famous bit of research done on children as a way of assessing their sort of mental development. It's like that, you know, you've probably seen things like it. Like if you show a child a mirror and then put a blob of lipstick on their nose and some children will try and rub it off on the mirror and some will try and rub it off on their own nose and that's how you know, when they begin to work that one out another thing they do with children which is a little test is they um, they um, offer them a chocolate bar and they say if um, we use Alec as our small child this morning they basically say to the child would you like one square now or the whole bar in ten minutes And you know as well as I do that a young child will have the one square now. An immature child will say one square now. An old and wise child will wait for the whole bar. I just share that thought with you before we start because there's something in that in Christianity, isn't there? There's something that sounds a bit like being a Christian that we often spend our lives asking God if we could have a square. And part of part of Christianity is realising that the whole bar is waiting for us but it is doing just that it is waiting for us um, so that's just a little thing to get started for this passage out of Colossians 3 I'm on dual screen anything could happen that needs to go over there right let me do some background because you've got to do some background don't you? written by Paul you've heard of Paul so if you're having trouble finding it, it's in those books at the start of the New Testament written by Paul. Paul's books are all together and they're in size order, aren't they? In an odd way of arranging them. Wouldn't it be more useful if they put them in alphabetical order? Size order? Expecting us all to go, oh, it's about his fourth largest book. No one knows that. Stupid scholars. Right, written by Paul, apparently in about AD 61. I googled it. And... Um, written to a church in Colossae, I think you pronounce it, which is, um, hang on, I can do this. There it is. I googled it. Stuff I can do, eh? And um, apparently Paul never went there. He, um, he, he planted the church in Ephesus, and um, the church, which is there, don't start mentioning anything around here or my parents will become insufferably dull. Just... <laughs> keep that very this whole area doesn't exist for the purposes of today <laughs> so yes Paul planted that church in Ephesus and apparently it's a bit of a plant from Ephesus into, into Colossae and um, this letter was essentially written because there was stuff happening in Colossae that people weren't very happy about and so someone wrote to Paul and said could you write to the church in Colossae so he wrote it that's what my study Bible said anyway and um we're going to look at Colossians 3. Wonderfully entitled in my Bible, Rules for Holy Living. Slightly unpromising start. If it immediately has that sense of, oh no, he's going to tell us off. That's not what we're here to do. I've read this passage on a train 
I often read the Bible on the train because it's a bit of time I have that's going spare. And it just, it just caught me as I read it. And you know sometimes, let's be honest, a lot of our Bible reading, we spend a lot of the time just sort of going, and do you ever sometimes turn the page and then think, I couldn't tell you a word of what I just read. <laughs> so you turn back and you read it again. And, oh, actually, I don't sometimes. I just go, but I did read it and that counts. And, um, but every now and then, if we keep going with it, sometimes something grabs us, doesn't it? Sometimes something grabs us. And um, it would be wonderful if it happened every time we opened the Bible. And I'll be honest, it doesn't for me. Perhaps it does for you. Well, I rejoice with you if it does. You must be very challenged, though. It must be a very difficult life of constant change. Um, but this just grabbed me. And I have not much more to share with you this morning than the sort of things that I was thinking about while I was thinking about it on the train. And as I was, I was saying to Tim earlier that I've been thinking about this passage for months and I thought, when I came to actually put some notes down, I thought, I'll be fine, you know, just la 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 la. And I, I, thought, I thought, I'm nowhere near, There's n- I'm nowhere near what's all, all that's in here. So I'm just going to break the surface really and, and feel free to have a think about it yourself and come back to it. Because you, you could do a season of teaching on that, as we call it in this type of church quite easily Um, I did some really rudimentary divisions to start with it kind of divides into kind of that bit there I've done arrows to help then there's kind of that bit there and then there's kind of that bit there those are kind of my divisions for the sake of this morning I'm sorry if I'm being too technical That, that bit I've summed up as don't do this bad stuff seems fair I've summed up the rest of it as do this good stuff and then this bit up there I think this bit might be the key bit I think there's a reason that Paul doesn't launch straight into a list of don'ts or even straight into a list of do's but he starts before then doesn't he with this eternal perspective and I think there's something in that I might not completely have the answer of what's in that, but it just struck me as I was going through it. Right, so where do we start? We start with the big bad, I said no. And um, there's no getting away from the fact, is it, that Paul was good at lists of big bad, I said no's. He did extraordinarily long lists of big bad, I said no's. He was very, very good at it. And I suppose part of it was that he lived in Roman culture that was very good at big bad, do whatever you like, frankly. And um, we sometimes think that Paul was writing to sort of austere Christian Victorian England, and so everyone reading this would have been there going, well, of course, I wear a corset, we all do this, I wear a top hat. Well, of course, Paul was writing into Roman culture, which was nothing like that. Roman culture would make us blush, quite substantially. Anyone who's done any history into the way they live their lives would realise it really would make you blush. I could, do, I could tell you, but not at church. Um, yeah. And he has this list of stuff we shouldn't do. And it's a problem to us, this list, isn't it? Because we all know we shouldn't do it, and we all know in our new creation lives that we don't, but we also know that we want to sometimes. There's part of us that is our flesh that wants to do that. And... There's, um, there's part of us because we're human beings that the very fact we're told not to makes us want to do that. And there's also the thing that, you know, 
I should I sound like a little propaganda for sin. Sin is fun. People do enjoy it. It's, tr- it's, it's, it's short term. I'm not saying that it's eternally depth, wonderful fun, but in the short term, people do seem to be enjoying themselves in the world at levels. And so there is something in all of us that is our flesh that this appeals to. And um, there's no getting away from that. Paul is not just... That's why Paul, when he writes this, is challenging us. And it is hard. And um, I can't get you out of that. I can't sort of tell you, oh, it's okay, it'll all be fine. In fact, the more I thought about it, the more I, the more I thought of that verse. It's why I don't get your hopes up. There is no positive verse about this. Because Jesus himself says, the kingdom of God, is, he describes it as a narrow gate. And the highway to hell is broad. I can't offer you encouragement about this being easy or nice. I can't do that. It's not in the Bible. And sometimes, I've certainly sat through sermons when I've sat there and thought, has this person ever had a problem? Has this person ever had a problem? Has this person ever made a mistake? Has this person ever done something they know they shouldn't, even though they knew they shouldn't? But I'm a, I'm, I can't say that, that, that I, I live in a wonderful world, that everything's always brilliant. And Jesus never promised us that. You know, other places we've promised persecution. Other places, you know, that wonderful bit where Jesus says, you think I'm persecuted and I'm the son of God. You ain't seen nothing yet for you guys, is my wonderful paraphrase. This is supposed to be tough. It is supposed to be tough. It's not supposed to be easy. But as, as most Olympians say when they stand there with their medal, wouldn't enjoy this half so much if it had been easy. There's something in the toughness that's important for us. It's that thing that... I heard someone say last week, I was at, on a conference, and a, a theologian said that in, in, in her opinion, sin is not the fundamental human condition. Struggle is. Because God will take your sins away, but you'll always have struggle. I don't know whether necessarily I buy that, but you can see what they're saying, can't you? That Jesus paid for our sins and they can be removed from us. But we're always going to have struggle. We're always going to have hard work. We're always going to have that side of Christianity that our flesh fights with. Because... As humans, Steve Redgrave quote, the human being is naturally lazy. He said that about himself, five Olympic medals. The human being is naturally lazy. We do tend to try and find the path of least resistance. Some might call it the widest path. We have to bear that in mind. Um, But fortunately, Paul, thank you Paul, doesn't just leave us with a list of don'ts. Because lists of don'ts are difficult, aren't they? Fortunately, Paul does give us, to to counterbalance his list list of don'ts, he gives us a list of do's. There they are. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other, forgive. And this is one I've, 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 I've grown to love about Paul, is he does really terrifying lists of don'ts. And he does really friendly, simple sounding list of do's. He he talks a lot about being kind to each other, not complaining, forgiving each other, 
His list of do's are very different to his list of don'ts. But I suppose this is the opposite to the list of don'ts. This is the other side. This is, if you do this, it's the opposite. It's where you should be heading. And if you head in this direction, you head in this direction by turning your back on Paul's big bad list of don'ts. And it is a remarkably simple list, isn't it? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with, bear with, in one, another, bear with one another, forgiveness, peace of Christ in your heart, being thankful. It's easy stuff, surely. Surely it's easy stuff. <laughs> It's not, though, is it? It's not, though. But it's doable. It is doable. And Paul gives us a little window into a how. There's, there's two. He sort of bookends this bit with a little window into the how. Our first little window into the how is that. Which is a little list of good spiritual discipline, isn't it? Good stuff you can do to feed your soul. Good stuff you can do to make yourself strong in the Lord. It's a. Uh, me and Tim talked about this, about how when I, when I was young, I'm still young, when I was young, we, I remember going on Christian camps where we'd be told to fan the fire of our spirit, you know, fan the gift into being. And because we were young, we took that to mean that we should, you know, really go, oh, and I'm praying. And um, do that, that um, constipated while sucking on a lemon face whilst praying. And um, that was us fanning the gift into being. That's not what you do. If I gave you a fire and said, will you fuel that? You wouldn't stand next to it going, burn, come on! Would you? You might. If you were cross enough. You'd be more sensible to feed it. You'd be more sensible to feed it, wouldn't you? That's how you might get a flame to burn bright. You feed it. Fanning it is only feeding it. Fanning it is just giving it oxygen. It needs oxygen. It needs something to burn. That's how fire works. This expensive science class we're doing now. <laughs> fire works, oxygen, fuel. And, um, and so this is Paul, really. I think Paul is saying this is, this is how you fuel it. This is how you keep going. There's Bible there, there's worship there, there's accountability within one another, there's prayer, there's, everything is in that little sentence of how we keep going. But it is a discipline. And our flesh doesn't want to do it. Because there's something about the human body that doesn't always want what's best for it. Have you noticed that? If I offered you a large amount of celery or a cream bun, you want the cream bun, don't you? You want the cream bun, even though, only because you die. <laughs> it's an extreme reason for you. For the rest of us, it would just be a bit bad for us. The Keith, it would finish him off. But um, we don't always want what's good for us. And this stuff becomes a battle. And you know, even in stupid things, like my little time I try and read the Bible is on the train out of Liverpool Street, because I've got half an hour there, where... Um, I'm generally sat in a chair and I've got my little New Testament that lives in my breast pocket which um, means that my Old Testament is just right off. I only read the New Testament. Um, but I have this in my pocket and you know what? Every single day I'm a little bit embarrassed about getting my Bible out. 
I thought after a few weeks I'd get used to it, but I haven't. I'm still a little bit embarrassed about getting my Bible out. And some days I'm so embarrassed I, I, I actually don't take it out. Sometimes I think perhaps I should get a nuts magazine and hide my Bible in it. Perhaps that's where I'm heading. Perhaps that's where this is the logical conclusion of my embarrassment of getting the Bible out, is to get some sin-filled magazine and read my Bible in it. A strange reversal of what you're supposed to do. Um, you're not supposed to do. Terrible. Um, it's an odd thing. In fact, and the other thing I do is, 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 <laughs> this is true again, is that you know sometimes you sat on a train and you feel like you ought to have given your seat up, but you didn't do it in the moment they got on the train, and then you, you feel like, oh no, do I give it up now? We've been on the train 10 minutes, it all looks a bit silly. And then the thought comes into your head, well, you can't read your Bible, then they'll know you're a Christian, and they'll know you didn't give your seat up, even though you're a Christian. <laughs> so I, can't, I now can't give my seat up or read my Bible, because um, people will think I'm a Christian who didn't give his seat up. Um, the reasons you can concoct to not do this stuff, because your flesh doesn't want to do it. Because your flesh wants to do list one. And your flesh knows the more you do this, the further you get away from those things on the first list. And the more natural and part of your nature, because you're feeding the gift God's put in you, the more part of your nature list two becomes. And so your flesh doesn't want you to do it. And it fights it. In the same way it fights you, you know, sometimes you can pray and sometimes you just think about football or whatever is your thing. I'm guessing not everyone here thinks about football. And, um, but it's a useful list. And Paul, just to sum things up, he does a little summary, doesn't he, there? He's sort of... Because Paul, you can imagine this, can't you? Because Paul's doing this probably off the top of his head and he's probably dictating it and someone else is writing it down. We don't know if Paul's got extensive notes he's working for or whether he's... I like the idea of Paul sort of just making up off his head. And he does his long list and then goes, oh, just whatever you do, whatever you do, <laughs> in word or deed, anything you do, just do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. There you are, sum up, final. And um, so he's, he's given us these rules how we should live. He's given us a list of don'ts, he's given us a list of do's, and he's given us a means to fulfil that, a way of feeding your soul so that you're strong and so you can do that. And that would actually, that would be quite a useful bit of the Bible on its own, wouldn't it? That would be quite a useful bit of the Bible on its own. If Paul just gave us that, Paul's first book to the people who need to do better, it would be enough. But it isn't, is it? And it's got this bit at the start. And um, Paul tells us to set our hearts on the things above. I love how the New Living Translation puts it. it. I love this bit that I've just done in red. The New Living says that, says set your sights on the realities of heaven. I love that translation, set your hearts on the realities of heaven. The new living is, is what I have in my, my breast pocket because frankly it's the easiest one to read. Um, I think I've done that in red, there we go. I love that phrase, set your sights on the realities of heaven. And I think it's, it's, it is fascinating that Paul, when he wants to come out with this list, this, which is tough stuff which is against our natural state which is against the people around us which is against the culture we live in which is against 
how we've been in the past, Paul starts by saying, look, before you look around you, before you look at yourself, before you look at your life, just look up a minute, shall we? Let's just look at Jesus. Let's just remember what this is for. And um, when I read this the first time on the train, the thought that came into my head was I just began to, to think about these realities of heaven. And one of the, the great realities of heaven, you know, is that one day we're going to get there. And one day we'll get our, the full bar. We'll get the full bar we've been waiting for. And I'm guessing, unless something mildly apocalyptic happens one Sunday here, we're all going to arrive at different stages. Some of you will get there before me. Some of you will get there after me. And um, hopefully none of us will arrive at the same time, because it means something slightly terrifying is happening. Um, but I imagine, I imagined as I thought, I thought maybe one day I'll meet some of you guys again. And I wonder what our conversation will be like. I wonder what we'll say. I imagine, you know, whoever's been there longest will start by going, have you seen the, 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 the worship place? And you've seen Jesus? Yeah. You've seen him resurrection form. How long are you on the floor for worshiping? About a month. That long? You know, and I imagine if you did meet, at some point one of you would look the other in the eye and say, it was worth it. It was worth it. Every struggle, every battle, every time I got my Bible out, even though it was embarrassing, every time I apologised for an argument, I'm not sure I started. Every time I made an effort to help, every time I gave my seat up, all this list, it's worth it. It's worth it. And it becomes worth it when we look up and when we see the realities of heaven. We see where we really live. We see where our life really is. I think I highlighted that. It's about your life hidden with Christ in God. I haven't highlighted that. That's where you really live. That's why the Christian life is described as a pilgrimage, as a journey, as being like aliens. Because you don't really live her anymore. That's why you don't really fit in. Be honest. And you, you never fit in. And trying to fit in, your only way you're going to fit in, I'm afraid, is, is choosing things off list one. The big, bad, and I said no. So just resign yourself. You're not going to fit in. You're always going to be a bit weird. I'm sorry. But you know, it, you know it's going to be worth it going to be worth it because one day we'll be there and we'll, we'll see him and we'll see him in all his glory and we won't die we'll be able to take it in the Bible says that right now what we see is, is like a bad reflection in a mirror because that's about as much as we can work out but one day there'll be no reflection because he'll be there and in that moment, it'll be worth it.
And it means that this stuff really counts. This stuff really counts. Every time we say no to list one, and every time we embrace list two, and every time we do the disciplines of list three, it really counts. And sometimes we see the benefit, don't we? Sometimes we see the benefit. And we feel good about it. I'm not saying that for our whole lives we're just going to have miserable dirge until thankfully one day we'll die. That's not what I'm saying. We do see the benefit. If you read your Bible, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do the high pressure read your Bible every day because I find that almost impossible. But if you can read your Bible three, four times a week and think about it, you will see the benefit. You will see the benefit. If you can pray regularly, you'll see the benefit. If you can turn off Radio 1 and put on some worship music, you'll see the benefit. But it's hard to make yourself do it. But I can tell you now, it'll be worth it. And one day, it really will be worth it. It really will be worth it. Um, I don't think I've got anything else to say. I just wanted to encourage you. I just wanted to put that into your mind. Dwell on it. Dream about it. Challenge yourself with it. Next time there's something stupid and small that needs doing, remember that counts. Remember that counts. It doesn't just count for tomorrow. It counts for eternity. And I promise you, promise you, the Bible promises us. I can speak confidently knowing that I can speak on God's behalf on this one. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. I'm just struck by the excellent provocation that Sam's brought to us this morning. And that there may be guys and girls here who are struggling with the bad list. I just want to encourage you that you don't need to stand alone in that. You know. Um, First off, we have the, the word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it may be that you need help. I just want to say to you, please don't think that any, anyone here doesn't struggle with that list in Colossians of the don'ts. I have, I do constantly struggle with pretty much all of, all of that um, I'll have to check the list again and make sure I'm not <laughs> letting myself in it but you understand what I mean by that that lust, yes I can struggle with lust, I can struggle with anger, I can struggle with much of the, of the things that I see in that list and yet God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness but if it's something that you are struggling with and you need some help then talk to somebody talk to somebody on the leadership team here and get with them and pray we have a system in the church of one to one and if you're not part of a one to one then can I encourage you to develop that and establish that if you need help in starting that come and talk to me 
So Tim, I'd like to be in a one-to-one relationship. What does that mean? Providing accountability, providing support, providing prayer for each other. And uh, it's worth it. It'll be worth it, not just for the chocolate bar, but (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus, aren't you? That would be fantastic. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for the word of God spoken to us with such clarity. And we ask you, Lord, that you would indeed rule in our hearts as we set our minds on you, that you would rule in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Let's uh, enjoy some fellowship together. And uh, yeah, have a great week.